Welcome to the Be Transformed podcast. I am Adam Lavecki, and I am here with DK Kim, and we are your hosts. Thank you for joining us. We are in this space to help you renew your mind and transform your life. We will be having helpful, honest, and hard conversations about culture and the kingdom of God. These conversations will help you to not be conformed to this current culture and will help you to grow in Christ. Jesus commanded us to preach the gospel and make disciples. This is an ongoing digital discipleship discussion. If you find this helpful, please subscribe, review, and share the Be Transformed podcast. Episode 14, Together. So I'm super excited today. Today we have a four-way conversation. And we have... We have some really important guests. Probably very, the most important to you and I, Adam. Very important. Yeah, we have our wives on, on the show today. <laughs> yes, very important. So state your name, gangsters. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Go ahead, ladies. Sarah Lavecki, wife of the amazing Adam Lavecki. Tina Min Kim, wife of DK Kim. Excellent. So today what we want to focus on is something that we have recognized that God has done in DK and Tina. And so um, in the context of pastoring, you, you observe people and you see the things that God has done in their life. And one of the things that we see in their life is just this willingness to just serve the Lord, where it's almost like there's no no in them. There's not this resistance. Like There's just a willingness uh, to love the Lord, to love people, to go out of your way for others, to be generous. It's, so it's not in one area of your life. We see it just across the board, even in letting people into your home, in picking people up. I can just go on and on in using your time, talent, and treasure toward the purposes of the kingdom in the way that you guys even handle scheduling. Um, Just so many different things that I'm like, wow, this is something that we recognize in their life. It's supernatural. It's naturally supernatural. And I think it would be important, especially in the context of Be Transformed, um, that people would hear some just practicals and how did God do this in your life? How did you get to this place? And then we're going to kind of, you know, interact on that idea. So recently we were in the Dominican Republic with you guys. And I think Tina said something like we had, we were having like poolside conversations. <laughs> and I think Tina said something like the Lord, you know, removed the no. I don't know her exact language. But what was your exact language? It was that the Lord pruned the no out of us. He pruned it. Yeah. Okay. So that's, that's an interesting language because pruning uh, is painful. And so if you would tell me, both of you, from your perspective, how did he prune the no out of you? And how did you participate with that pruning? You want to go first? Sure. Um, yeah, I. the way I think of pruning, I, I love John 15, um, that whole passage about how Jesus is the vine and we're the branches. And he wants to prune the parts in us that aren't bearing fruit you know our flesh our selfish ambitions all of that and you know if I look through the course of my life and my walk with Jesus there are so many places where I said no to him in different 
times and seasons and you know it would look like god you can't do this in me or you know i can do these things but not these things and i would be looking at my own personality or giftings or um, you know just natural things and i remember god so strongly saying to me once who are you to tell me what i can and can't do with you mm. well Sounds like the Bible. <laughs> does the the does the clay tell the potter? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Wow. And that really just shaped my whole journey in walking with the Lord, uh, like removing that no out of me, removing the looking to myself to see what I can and can't do, what what God is limited by and isn't limited by. It removed that and you know, I just started saying, okay, Jesus, you just, you have my yes. Whatever you want to do, whatever it looks like, whatever the cost, I'm just going to every day give you my yes. So that's, that's, yeah. that's beautiful. It sounds like real Christianity, and it sounds like you're living by what God is actually saying. So that's, that's encouraging. Now, I want to just put just a little bit of attention to, because I listen carefully to people's language, and I had never heard someone say, that the Lord pruned the no out. So when I pray for that, I pray that the fire would burn the no out. So that is the metaphor that I used. But she used the pruning Mm -hmm. metaphor, which I thought was fascinating. And so from her perspective, I wanted to know, what what is it that you meant? Mm -hmm. How did you experience that? Because words matter. Mm -hmm. And so... And your intelligence, I'm like, she's using that word because she knows what that word means. Mm. You know, so what is the context? Yeah. So, DK, how did that happen for you? And then if you could if you could explain, like, how did this happen to you guys then together? Because we have, we are, like, just in the same as the body of Christ. We're individually members of one another. So, I'm Adam, she's Sarah, but we are the Lebeckis. We are a unit but I am, you know, I am me, she is her, and together we are we. So, so, like, how did that happen, you know, with you in the, in the sense of pruning, and then, then in your marriage, like, how did that, I, I'd like to hear about that. Yeah, um, for me, I think it really comes down to understanding where are you, where's your starting point with the Lord. What I mean by that is, when you, when you have a, when you start your partnership with God and you're walking with Him, and then the assumption is, "Hey, I'm bringing all of my past, my the DK that I want to do, my agenda with to the Lord." That's not going to work. But when you really know that God really disrupted your life and He saved your life, He pulled you out of hell and He's giving you an eternal destiny, then there's a death to that. So I think when you start with understanding, I'm starting from death. I'm getting rebuilt. I think the no's aren't there to begin with. So you're like, okay, you're building me, so I'm just saying yes to how you're rebuilding me. So I think that perspective change is where I said, okay, God have it all. So that's powerful. So it's almost as if a biblical understanding of the sacrifice of Jesus produces a willingness in us to make the sacrifices that are necessary to partner with him. Yeah. Is, is that a fair? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's also it's also kind of like, hey, I tried for the first 25 years of my life to build myself, and the outcome wasn't good. 
So <laughs> here, you, you, you have a shot at it. Yeah. 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 That's awesome. So now in, in the sense of, okay, so you guys meet each other, you realize you're going to get married, and now you're moving toward a more Christian life together. Because you guys, you didn't, you didn't do what the classic thing people do nowadays. Everyone gets shacked up and moves in. <laughs> you're like, <laughs> anyway, that's another message. I still love the people. But th- this is something. So you, you, you guys had a sense in which that, that wasn't right. So there's a sense of self-control that you're administering. So you're going into this marriage with some sense of a fear of the Lord, some sense of God is really going to be first. And so how long did it take before you what you believed became just really practical in terms of how you engaged with a willingness in your in your heart and in your marriage to serve the Lord together? Because to be honest, what I see that you guys have is in my opinion rare. In um, and the fact that what I see personally is like two people always moving toward the Lord together and then making concessions for one another to do something the Lord is calling you to do. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's very refreshing because to my wife and I, that's normal. <laughs> so, so when we see that, we're like, yeah, that's normal. So to me, what is abnormal is when there is resistance in one of the parties. That's not a Christian idea. Yeah, That's rooted in pain or pride. Mm. That's not rooted in, in a kingdom of God service toward the Lord. So, in fact, we should have a whatever-it-takes spirit. Mm-hmm. That's what Paul had. Like, whatever it takes, we're going to do this thing. And so I see that in you guys. So how, how did that come about in terms of in your marriage? Hmm. You want me to go? I think, I think before answering that, I think also where we started when we dated was kind of unique too in the sense where I mean I was still growing as a Christian there was still a lot I'm kind of going through and try to grow but I did realize that hey like I'm committed to this I'm committed to this life and to be frank like the girls I was meeting in my in my in my circles I just thought that marriage would be in the way so I didn't even think of like I didn't even think marriage would be in my path because I said hey I'm on, I'm on this path with God this is what I want for my life and I think even marriage will be will be disruptive and, and not wow. aligned. Yeah, that's pretty aggressive. Yeah, yeah, and I think Tina kind of had a yeah, similar. For me, it was like you know because we met early thirties, so at that point, it's like my mentality was, hey, I want a man that I can partner with and move forward in seeing the gospel advance. If the man's not gonna add to that then i'd rather be celibate like honestly Mm. i i want someone that's like running hard like we have one life to live and um i i yeah i wanted to be with a partner that we are moving forward together on the same page pursuing the purposes of god and if not like yeah see i heard something she used the word celibate Men don't use that word. (laughs) But DK used similar language in the sense of that he thought that a dysfunctional woman would just be in the way. Mm -hmm. And he really wanted to follow Jesus. He didn't throw the celibate word out there. But that was was implicit. It was implicit. Hers was explicit, which is great. Now you have a vast advantage Yep. Because if you don't have rule over your sexuality, 
you will sabotage your life in the kingdom. Mm-hmm. Period. Yeah. So I went through like five years of that, which for me was like torture, you know, because I came from a, you know, mischievous lifestyle. And so I understand, you know, what it's like to do that and then not do that. And so I, I get, but now you had a vast advantage because you had self-control sexually coming into a marriage. Mm-hmm. That is a major advantage as it relates to learning how to enter into the purposes of God. Because if you don't have self-control, you will sabotage yourself. In any area in your life where you don't have self-control, you will sabotage your success long-term, period. So now you had this, and this is interesting because humans crave sex. I mean, that's the bottom line. Like the Bible, like... When, when when God said, be fruitful and multiply, he activated a sex drive within humanity. So this was God's idea. It's not a bad thing. But you have at the baseline of your marriage, commitment before pleasure. Mm-hmm. Now, this is driving your relationship with Jesus. And then it's driving your relationship to each other. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is a major advantage, which is makes sense now why there's a level of acceleration in your life because you have possessed your vessel for honor, which is a very, very critical point because in everything that we're talking about, if you don't turn from sinfulness and from lust and immorality and idolatry and what, however you want to, if you don't flee from that, there's no way you could run with the purposes of God in purity. And that's really, you know, a disaster. So I'm going to ask. Yeah, because I want to interject something that what I heard, um, that both of you had a common thing of where, DK, you said get in the way from you knew you were ultimately committed to this life of Jesus and wanted to follow. And the same thing with you, Tina, is that you wanted to find someone that you can run with to share the gospel to enhance it and to increase the kingdom. And so both of you were unwilling to compromise that. And because of that, bringing that into a marriage, you both had a common goal that you were not willing to compromise on. Mm -hmm. And I think that's important for any marriage for like we've Adam and I've done many times pre-marriage counseling, post-marriage counseling and the curriculum we follow stresses that ultimate that goal that shared goal and that you both are unwilling to compromise for that shared goal yeah without a shared goal there's no willingness to make sacrifices yeah yes you know proverbs says that without revelation the people cast off restraint so if we don't know what we're suffering for we won't be willing to suffer long yeah and and so we'll we'll do whatever gratifies us now which Mm -hmm. is a great way to really destroy everything Mm -hmm. if jesus is not first in our hearts individually and then jesus asks to put me first in the marriage there's going to be imbalance there oh that's excellent yeah there's no way yeah the the math doesn't work out there no there's no way (laughs) um yeah so sarah let me let me ask you because from the beginning we've served the lord together even before we were married right and so what have been um, what are some challenges that you face in trying to serve the Lord together? 
speak can you speak to some of those challenges from inside our marriage i feel like i can't really because of how we've i mean in there there hasn't been conflict in the way of serving because of us choosing to serve together okay sometimes the difficulties could be maybe putting something that you wanted to do maybe to the side but in a way that to me that's not conflict either because it's that maybe that wasn't the thing to focus on at the moment maybe some other things were what was supposed to be focused on so you're saying that you can serve god together oh of course oh <laughs> <laughs> but it's sometimes it it does look different in different seasons yeah you know in every season maybe one season one person's supposed to be running hard after something specific and maybe the other one's in a supportive role Mm -hmm. um, sometimes you're running together hard on something and other people are, are added to you to support that role. So it's, and it's, so I feel like every season it's different. Um, difficulties I've seen with other people is when maybe they haven't fully agreed on what that looks like mm -hmm. and to have that conversation of what does it look like. Sometimes yeah. when kids are then added, sometimes there could be difficulties in, you know, practical things with scheduling and things like that. Yeah. But to me, like, again, when you have that common, um, like, goal that you are not going to compromise on, I think that stuff just comes together. Yeah. Let me touch on the parenting thing for a second. Many parents in modern culture build their life around, around their the children mm -hmm. instead of build their life around Christ and bring their children in on it. That's a fatal, fatal mistake. Jesus talks about putting the gospel first and the kingdom first, not your kids. And that doesn't mean that I'm going to neglect my family to build gods. That is not what I'm talking about. But what I am talking about, for example, is a very common one. Oh, we can't come to church on Sundays anymore because my kids play soccer. What you've just done is you've set the precedent in the life of your children that you will never, ever be able to get back. That's putting what you're serving out of order. Because yeah. thinking of within the context of marriage, you know, you're both serving Jesus together. The woman serves the husband. The kids serve in, the, in a way serve then the parents. We are not to serve the kids. We love the kids. But yes, we cook food for them and things like that. Yeah. But my life is not to be full focus in serving them. I don't exist to entertain them. I exist to empower them and equip them to be powerful in real mm -hmm. life. Do I want them to have fun? Yes. Fun is not a priority over God. When you put fun before God, you're going to set your kids up to fail. Mm -hmm. Many times parents have no idea the things that they do and actually what it's actually saying to the children. I don't want to get into a whole parenting thing right now. i got to spin out of this because this, this is a never-ending thing. But in the context of marriage, m another thing is like my job is not to make Sarah happy. And Sarah's job is not to make me happy. I do not exist to make her happy. Um, we exist for the Lord's good pleasure. We were created by him and for him. And we'll be a lot happier living for him than living for each other. Because happy is an inside job. It's like, it's not her responsibility to manage my emotions. 
It's not my responsibility to manage her emotions. It's our responsibility to guard our heart and seek the kingdom first and pursue the kingdom. Yeah, I mean, that's one of the biggest lies of today's culture spun through Hollywood and everything, mm-hmm. that romance is about our feelings, and that's the foundation of marriage, which is not. It's not. Yeah. Especially if we're going to be good students of, of the Bible and of culture. In many cultures today, there's still prearranged marriages. Marriage is built on covenant and commitment, not just attraction or sex. It's just not. Yeah. I mean, that I hope you're attracted and I hope the sex gets better. But that that in and of itself is not the point of it. And even when Paul is talking about Christ in the church, he's not speaking about, you know, erotic love, uh, you know, a Valentine's Day date. He's speaking about covenant commitment, which is something completely different from um a 21st century feelings-based sweet card and an overpriced meal on on a holiday that's not even about romance yeah but this is what i tell young people all the time with dating they're always focused on chemistry and shared interests and having fun i mean that's important but they make decisions based on those things but when i say what's your vision do you guys share a vision for life together they usually don't talk about those things but Mm -hmm. i think vision and sharing that and in our context, it's you know vision for the kingdom, vision for life yeah. with Jesus. But even in the world, if you don't share a common vision for life, there's gonna be problems. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And and we see like that that the outward success and money is not necessarily a vision. It may be an outcome of of being excellent at something or, or being committed to something. But like from what I'm seeing, I don't know if this is true. I hope it's not true. But you look at, I think I just saw this thing with Tom Brady and his wife getting divorced. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's the greatest quarterback ever to ever to put on cleats. His wife is a very pretty lady, especially for their age. I mean, they're both like good looking. He looks really great for his age. They've got a ton of money. They don't need each other to survive. They don't. And so it's almost like it's more difficult to be a husband than it is to be the greatest quarterback who ever lived. And I'm not criticizing him because I don't know her or him, but I'm just saying that outward success is not enough. And and I think that when you're together in the purposes of God, the driver is internal. So So it's not like, it's not, we're just not pursuing an outcome. We're not just pursuing a, a bigger house and a better life, although I would love to have a bigger house and a better life. We're pursuing Jesus in the kingdom, and our core heart motive is to honor him and to love him and to serve him. And whatever sacrifices we have to make as individuals to make this happen together, we're on board for that. And what I've seen is that most of the time, it just comes down to just Honestly, love really comes down to being willing to be inconvenienced because love, real love, is really, really inconvenient. I mean, it's really – and you see this more – I mean, we see this more with kids than with, like, each other. Mm -hmm. But, like, I love you. It's 10-10. I I, I just – and there's chocolate milk all over the floor, and I hate a mess. (laughs) I despise a mess. And part of 
my love for you is I'm going to get on hands and knees like like and I'm going to clean this mess up. And by the time I get off the floor, I'm going to fix my attitude cuz I'm not happy about this mess. And I'm not like, "Oh, I love you so much. Thank you for this mess." You know, I'm struggling through this this chocolate milk here. But that is an expression of love and I and I find that it's really be, being willing to be inconvenienced for the other. That is really what communicates love, whether we're talking about a marriage, parenting, serving God together. So I want to touch just a few scriptures because I think it's hard to really love and serve God when you are not convinced that he has your best interests at heart. So for me, it's like if I know someone legitimately has my best interests at heart, it's a lot easier to trust them. Like, it makes sense to trust them. Because sometimes, like, they can see things that you can't see. And so I have something that I'm going to share. I'm not going to share it on this podcast. But I have something that because I chose to trust someone who's trustworthy, it really benefited me and my wife recently, which we're going to share. Not here. But um, so anyway, it says this in Isaiah 119. If you're willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. It's the New King James translation. In Psalm 110.3, it says this, Thy people shall be willing in the day of thy power, in the beauty of holiness from the womb of the morning, thou hast the dew of thy youth. And so I want to just bring these two scriptures together for a minute because this is what God did in your life. This is what God did in our life. And it's something that it's beautiful because when I see you guys, I know there's no friction in your home. I know that. And that's beautiful because that that is how God ordained us to live. How can you tell? I know. <laughs> by your disposition, by the way you speak about each other, by the way you interact with each other, by your willingness to support each other in serving the purposes of God. I remember when I first asked DK about the possibility of Tina working with Abner. And he was like, yeah, wide open. Mm -hmm. Knowing that that could mean she's away for the weekend. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, and, and so I'm like, Sarah's away for the weekend. Nobody cooks me breakfast on Saturday. Like, <laughs> this has direct results against my life and my well-being here. So, you know, but his just willingness to be like, yeah, like a wide open. I'm like, and so that's very telling to me because I know, like, you already counted the cost. Mm -hmm. So you had an answer. Where, where most people are like, I got to pray about that, which is a Christian way of saying that's not going to happen. Um, I was like, wow, that's interesting. And I, and I thought about that. So the first thing that the power of God does, one of the primary expressions of the power of God working within us is God makes us willing. And there's a whole book on this with Reese Howell, the intercessor. He's like, if you're not willing, pray, you know, that you would be willing to be made willing. And, and so that's an incredible prayer um, where God would burn the no out, prune the no out, smash the no. I don't know what prayer you want to pray, but, um, you know, that God would – there would be a no removal yeah. that is supernatural and it's by God's power and it's for God's purposes, but it's with your best interest at heart. And so the power of God working within us makes us then willing to love and to serve God and to be loved by God. And Isaiah says that if you're willing and obedient – so 
willingness produces obedience. And the intention of obedience is so that you would eat the good of the land. So without obedience, there's things that you'll never eat. Mm-hmm. See, that that's the thing that people don't realize is that the love of God is completely 100% unconditional. But the blessing of the Lord is 100% conditional on my obedience to the Lord. Mm. So it's not like Jesus is like, oh, you're behaving today. I love you so much more. No. It's like, man, you're in alignment with me and you can receive what I want to pour out because you have just put your cup where I'm pouring. Mm. And, and so to me, that's like, man, I want to do that. Like, I want to be willing. I want to be obedient. I want to glorify God. But I'm going to be honest with you. I also want to eat the fruit of the land. Yeah. If somebody's got to eat it, why not be us? You know what I mean? Yeah. Christianity is more than just being saved and waiting to die to go to heaven. Yeah. There's so much more. Yeah. So yeah. much more. In fact, the meek inherit the earth. So this whole idea of you you flying away, going to heaven, and, and being on a cloud somewhere forever, that's Greek mythology. <laughs> that's not um, biblical Christianity. Um, so I, I just think that this is something that happens in our life. So if, just from your guys' uh, perspective, all, all three of you, what are some things that you, you recognize God did to help you become willing? Like, how was his power at work within you to make you willing? I think for me, it's the willingness comes out of who you're in relationship with. So Mm. it's like as God shares more of himself with me, it's like I see his goodness. I see his faithfulness. I see how much he delivered me from and out of. And the trust in who he is, that produces a deeper willingness. As you see more of him, yeah, of course. Why, why wouldn't I trust you with my finances? Why wouldn't I trust you with my spouse? Why wouldn't I trust you with my future? Um, it's, it's him proving himself first that, you know, continues to expand that willingness to give him, you know, whatever. Yeah, anything, mm-hmm. everything. That's awesome. Sarah? Um, I think history, a history with God and that willingness to create a history. I think seeing around you, what Tina said about surrounding yourself with the right people that are moving forward with God, people of faith, um, you know, finding the right community to to support you. Um, I know for me also, I think just allowing God to speak. Um, sometimes I, you know, thinking of words that he's spoken over my life and being willing, like, God, I want to see those words come to life. You know, even with the context of marriage, um, I feel like, you know, some words over me of traveling the nations with the man of God, you know, like knowing like God was going to give me someone that would travel and, and want to reach um, people and and things like that. Um, so like really grabbing on to what God has said and wanting to hear him more, you know, um, 
So just building that history of just knowing that he is so good, like why not build my life on someone that has always been there? Um, the testimonies of the Lord are so important in moving forward. You know, I'm willing to hear others' testimonies and what they've been through and things like that. Yeah. I mean, I think this is another angle of looking at trust. Like, yeah, we trust he's good and he loves us. But just to be real, he's the most powerful per- relationship you have, the most powerful person. Why wouldn't you want to be willing to that person? Because he's the one that could set you up and move things and make things happen in your life. Like, even when you're working in a job and your boss is powerful and he's, he's the one that has the power to promote you, move you forward in life, you automatically are willing to serve that person. So do you, got, do you look at God that way, you know? Excellent. Another one I'm going to, I mean, both of you guys, all of you talking about history, what I heard from the ladies is history. And what I heard from you is revelation or insight. I'm going to throw a little different one in there that the Lord did with me when I was a young man. The Lord said to me, I'm going to introduce you to some of my friends. And I began to meet people, and the Lord would highlight to me that that person is my friend. And I would look at their disposition, their testimony, their flow, what was happening in their life. And there was something that just didn't add up. And it was him. He was the difference. (laughs) You know? And I'm like, wow, like, if he can do that in their life, I want that, Hmm. you know? And it's kind of like sometimes if you've never been to like a fine restaurant or, you know, a ritzy mall and you go and you get exposed, you're like, whoa, you know, that was good. Like, that's different, you know, or you, 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 you touch a fine garment and you're like, yeah, that's, that's a whole different level. Um, or you get into a car, you get into like a big Benz, and you close the door and it goes, and you hear the door and you're like, uh-oh. That weightiness. Yeah, and then you close the door and the sound within is different from the sound without. Mm-hmm. And the way you experience the ride and the noise outside is different based on the quality. So you're like, whoa. And so I, when I observed his friends, I was like, wow, I see something that I want. And then, you know, like 15, 18 years later, one day I was just driving to the gym and the Lord said to me, Adam, the key to everything in life is to be my friend. <laughs> and I was like, wow. Amen. I want to be your friend. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he's like, you are. But, so it's like, you know, amazing in the sense of just like pursuing God. And then the beauty of that in, in the context of marriage is like us pursuing God together. And then with family, us pursuing God with kids. And then mm-hmm. in church, us as a family of families pursuing God. And, um, you know, I think that that just brings so much beauty, so many opportunities. And I think that being focused on yourself is really a miserable way to live. That's why most people that focus on themselves are actually miserable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's not like a slight on them. I think if I focus on myself, I'd probably be pretty miserable too. <laughs> um, and so this this ability to focus on Jesus or focus on his mission together, 
I think that that adds a richness to our life. It adds things to our life that money can't buy. Like one time the Lord said to me, he said, Adam, I measure riches by what money can't buy. And I was like, whoa, wow. And then I began to think, and I'm like, wow, I have a lot of things that money can't buy. And just a deep, deep, deep gratitude came in my spirit. And, um, you know, you see things differently when you're grateful. Um, You see things differently when you're full. Mm. You just see things differently. I was talking to my wife the other day. I had an experience, and I'm like, wow, I, I experienced this same type of situation completely differently based on perspective, based on when you're full and you're not full. You see things completely different. Like Proverbs says, to the bitter, to, to the thirsty soul, any bitter thing is sweet. So if you're too thirsty, your desires can distort your discernment. Desperation. You, you can become too desperate. Yeah. You know. I think in the context of relationship too, if we're in a place where we're too desperate to fill a hole then we can fill it with with a person or a thing that they were never meant to fill. And so to be with, especially within the context of someone looking for a marriage, um, if they're so desperate not to be lonely and they haven't fully embraced that Jesus wants to be that part to them, they want that Jesus wants to be the one that fulfills that loneliness, then we try to put someone in that place and then the relationship gets distorted. Yeah. And so how beautiful is then when you have two people that have put Jesus in the right place come together and then to move forward, then you have something that's powerful and unfortunately something that's more rare than it should be. Yeah. You know, I think that's also where unfortunately the rise in divorce has come in and things like that because again, we've put our spouse in a place that they were never meant to fill. Yeah. Yeah. So being careful, it's like some things would came to me as well, Adam, when you're speaking is when, and when we put Jesus in his rightful place, um, it's life-giving. Yeah, We're in a position to really fully receive life to the fullest, you know? Um, and a lot of things changes. Our language changes. Abundant life. Abundant life. Uh, our language changes. Our per- perceptions change. How we interact changes. Um, and to really position ourselves to receive that abundant life, putting him first, um, going after him together, then again, you have something so powerful and life overflows from that. Yeah. And, and with, with, cause, cause, okay, for example, we're together, right? You know, we're married together 13 years. You guys are married, but there's also things that want to pull us apart. Of course misunderstandings, offenses, miscommunications, false expectations, all these things. And I don't just mean marriages. I just mean relationships in general. I think one of the things that we have to ask ourselves with relationships is, is this relationship bringing me closer to Jesus or not? Mm. Is this relationship helping me serve the purposes of God or not? Is this a life-giving relationship? Is this a relationship that sharpens me or makes me more dull? Mm. 
is this a relationship that supports the best part of who I'm becoming and calls out the worst part of who I am gracefully and privately? There's a whole bunch of questions as it relates to relationships that whether it's a man-woman relationship or just you know friends, I think sometimes we give people a space in our life that they don't deserve. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't mean that we shouldn't care, pe- care for people or love people. It just means that not everyone should have a voice in our life. And I think that in the name of sincerity or you trying to be real or genuine or humble, I think we give people a voice that should be on mute. And it's not because they're not valuable. It's just because they don't have anything in that season for you. So it's like you're ministering to them. You love them and you care for them and they're valuable. But they don't have they don't have a voice in your life based on where they are positionally with Jesus and just in life. Like I don't go to a broke guy and say, can you can you counsel me financially? I don't go to a guy who can't bench press and say, hey, can you spot me? I'm going to load four plates on here. I, it does, doesn't make any sense. And so, you know, I think sometimes we give people a place they don't deserve and it really isn't the, – the result of that isn't good no matter how much – how genuine we may be in trying to be loving, trying to be open, trying to be teachable. It's like why don't you be teachable with someone who can actually teach you? Mm. <laughs> yeah. When uh, two people are surrendered to the Lord and then they're married and the marriage is surrendered to the Lord, I think that's the best form of peer discipleship. Because when Tina's going through something and she's allowing God to do a work in her, I'm witnessing that, you know, close, close contact. And that's actually ministering to me too. And we're gaining from each other's separate experiences as well. So I think there's like a peer discipleship kind of going on as well, a walking together. Tina, do you agree with that? Yeah, it's like we're meant to sharpen each other. And so when we're open and vulnerable about those places that God's kind of putting a finger on, it actually strengthens both people, not just the person that, you know, God's working on. And I think that's in community, too. That's like why we really do need each other. You know, the body, the interdependence. It's like yeah, we, not codependent. Right, right, right. Inter, not codependent. Inter, yeah. inter, inter. We need each other, and I've really been thinking about this a lot. How much God cares about the unity of the body, and how no part is insignificant. And when you know one person is just not living in the fullness of who God's made them to be, it does affect the people around them. It it affects the body, and so. Yeah, I think in marriage, of course, you know, what one person's going through and what God's doing in that person, it it will only strengthen and, yeah, increase for the other person too. And I think it takes a real secure person in marriage to, you know, come underneath the other person and to, to bless what God's doing in, like, let's say even, you know, the example about DK saying, yeah, go, you know, go work with Abner, feel free. It's like, yeah, because he's a secure he's man. Secure. He's secure in his identity so he can make space. Okay, daddy. For me <laughs> <laughs> and vice versa. It's not like that's going to detract from his calling or, you know, yeah. what God's doing in his life. It will only enhance what God's doing in both of us. So That's beautiful. Same team. Yeah. That's excellent. That's really good. This, this, it feel like, 
this is a to be continued in the sense of like this seems like a conversation that will not end mm-hmm. <laughs> only because we're together for a lifetime yeah. in marriage. And I also believe that there's people that God brings into your life that you're meant to walk with for a lifetime. And that's something that like like I, I said to Abner, like, you know, I know we're supposed to walk together for life. And there's just people that God ordains and God puts in your in your life that's like, no, we're supposed to walk together. We may not walk down the same street every day, but we're we're walking in the same direction for the same purposes. And one of the things I found is that when you set your heart to serve the Lord as you guys both did, you find a person on that path who wants to do that. So in me saying yes to Jesus, I found all of the significant relationships I have in my life. I didn't have to pursue people in a thirsty way. In other words, when you seek the Lord, the relationships and the opportunities and the resources that you need to fulfill your mission will naturally be on the path he set before you. So the best thing that you can do for your future and for your family is continue to follow the Lord and continue to open your eyes and and be uh, aware and alert and cognizant of the people that he's put around you because the people that he's put around you, he has ordained those people to help you move forward in the purposes of the kingdom, whether that's spiritually, practically, relationally, emotionally, economically, job opportunities, uh, just in every way, God places people around us that if we'll honor him and put him first and value them, we'll be able to move forward based on the people that he's provided when we embrace the path and the plans that he has for us. So I I wanted to just kind of just end with that and say this is to be continued. If before we end if we could do one thing um cuz I think it's also important to recognize those who might be listening who may be in a relationship that is not what it should be. Um woman that maybe are following after God and the man is not and vice versa and how right now that might be very painful. And so just to speak to you for a minute to encourage you that, um, you know, leaving that person, divorcing that person is not the answer, Um, that you can believe more for that person and that you can believe that God can speak to them and to pull them alongside and to that you that the picture of you two running together is something possible is something feasible and just to encourage you to pray for them to believe for them and also speak well of them um this past sunday pastor adam did do a wonderful teaching on blessing how it's important to bless with your mouth um what do you want to see blessings and what you want to see grow and not to curse with your mouth where you want to see blessings. Um, and especially to women where we can easily, or it's very, I think within the world and culture, it's so easy to bash the man and things like that, but it's important to bless him, to speak blessings over him. Um, and again, husbands to speak blessings over your wife and for you to come together as much as you can to pursue him and to move forward. So just to speak to those who maybe might be a little heartbroken in the area of marriage that we just 
pray blessing over you and that we pray that God's will be done in your life, that you will that you would be able to see, picture with your mind's eye what God has for your marriage and that it can change. And we're believing for you that it can change, yes. that all the, the ways that the enemy will try to drive you apart will end right now in Jesus' name Amen. and yes, that he will be with you, that he'll encourage you and that a greater bond will be built. And so we just bless you in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Sarah and Tina. It was a pleasure to have you on, and I know you guys will be back. To be continued. (laughs) Thanks for listening. Adam Levecki here. On behalf of DK Kim and I, we want to thank you for listening to the Be Transformed podcast. If you have found this helpful, please subscribe, share, and review the podcast. Thanks again for listening to Be Transformed.